money. But we have something much, much better than that, and I'm going to share it with you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And the man immediately began to stand. Everyone was astounded. The man had been unable to walk since the day he was born. How could this be? Peter explained that Jesus had sent the Holy Spirit to help all of those who believed in him carry on his work on earth, to share the good news and the love of God and perform miracles in his name. And all those watching praised God. You see, the Holy Spirit completely changed the disciples' lives. They'd been shut away in a room, fearing for their lives and wondering what was going to happen to them. But when the Holy Spirit was poured out, their hearts were completely transformed. They were filled with courage and love for their community, empowered to speak out, to share the truth of the gospel and demonstrate God's love in action. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is still doing that today. All you have to do is ask. Good stuff. Can we take up the offering, please? Thank you, Pete. Cheers. Thank you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you today for the gift of the Holy Spirit poured out on all believers. Lord, the Holy Spirit gives us joy. He gives us strength. He gives us boldness to witness for you. And Lord, because you have given your son on the cross for our sin, because you poured out the gift of the Holy Spirit, Father, it's our delight to give back to you this morning as a response to you who first loved us. And so we give these gifts and we ask you to multiply them and bless them for the extension of your kingdom. And now, Lord, as the children and their leaders uh, go out to a different part of the building to learn about you, we ask, Lord, that you'd fill them with wisdom. Lord, and uh, Lord, we just pray that your spirit would rest upon each one and upon each of the leaders, Lord, that there would be that encounter with you, Lord, uh, for them. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, who's, on, who's on the uh, children this morning? Oh, Natalie, you got, yeah, great stuff. Okay, follow Natalie, thank you. So our reading, uh, you won't be surprised, is uh, Acts chapter two, um, verses one to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it 
that each of us hears them in his own native language. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arab, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the, the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, such an exciting passage. And uh, our heart's desire, Lord, would be that you would do, that we would have another Pentecost today. That you would send your spirit upon us, Lord. Send the fire, Lord, we pray. Even, even as we're listening to your word and, Lord, opening it, open it up to us, Holy Spirit. Make it a living word for us. And help us, Holy Spirit, to respond in the way that you're calling us to respond this morning. Give us the faith and the courage to step out, Lord, and, and with you in a new way. Holy Spirit, do a new thing in each one of us, we pray, today. And help us to be open to that new thing. In Jesus' name, amen. So today is Pentecost Sunday. As Mark said, the word pente means 50. And uh, comes 50 days after the festival of Passover. Um, 50 days after Easter. Pentecost celebrated the ingathering of the barley harvest and was also called the Feast of Weeks. It was also celebrated the law um, being given by Moses on Sinai. And thousands of Jews from different countries came together um, in Jerusalem to celebrate the three big festivals of which Pentecost was one. So Jerusalem would have been a real hubbub of noise and activity over this weekend. Thousands of people from different nationalities speaking in different, uh, different tongues, different uh, ethnicities, all coming together to celebrate Pentecost. But this was a Pentecost with a difference. Nothing like this had ever been seen before. There was no, this was no ordinary festival of Pentecost. 120 disciples of Jesus were gathered together praying, and as they prayed, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Tongues of fire rested on each of the disciples. There was a sound of a mighty rushing wind. And the disciples started to pray and praise God in foreign languages. Anybody speak foreign languages this morning? Anybody? Anybody got any languages? Yeah, a few of us. Anybody got more than one language? One and a half. <laughs> Ella, you're being shy. 
Jan and Luca, how many languages? Two. Where's Jan? Jan was there just now. Where's he gone? Disappeared. Oh, I had to collect someone. How many languages at the back? How many languages you got at the back? Three. three. Anybody, anybody got more than three languages? Well, these guys, these Galilean fishermen, tax collectors, etc., were given the ability to speak in foreign languages they'd never learned. They never learned these languages. The Holy Spirit gave them the ability to speak in foreign languages. Isn't that amazing? And some people mocked it and said, these guys are drunk. Every time there's a move of the Holy Spirit, people mock it and say, oh, you know, that's not God. And they mock it. And they did on this occasion, didn't they? They said, oh, they're drunk. Peter said, look, guys, it's only nine in the morning. These aren't drunk. This is a fulfillment of an ancient promise. 400 years before, the prophet Joel had prophesied, predicted that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on all believers. And this was what was now unfolding in front of everyone's eyes. So let's unpack this carefully. First of all, what does Peter mean? What does Joel mean? Peter's quoting Joel by the last days. Well, we are in the last days today. Um, the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost represents the last days. In other words, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit was the last thing on God's plan of salvation before the return of Jesus. So everything that God wants to happen in his plan of salvation has now happened. The Holy Spirit has been poured out. The next thing on his calendar is the return of his son. So we're in the last days before Jesus returns. There's an urgency to our task of mission then. And that's why the Holy Spirit was needed. It's not so they could have a loving and a party. Not so they could have a little loving worship session. It was so that they could be empowered to go from Jerusalem to Judea to the ends of the earth with the gospel. So they'd have the boldness, the joy, the confidence, the power to be witnesses. That's why the Holy Spirit was given. That's why the Holy Spirit is available to us today. And that's why we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit today. Not so that we can have a loving, so that we can go to people who do not know Christ and boldly and confidently and joyfully tell them the good news. More of that in a moment. You see, being filled with the Spirit is primarily in the book of Acts for mission. There are gifts of the Spirit, which we will look at in a moment, but primarily it's to empower them for mission. And they ask to be filled again and again and again through the book of Acts. It's not just on the day of Pentecost, not, it's not a one-off. They keep meeting and praying and asking for more of the Spirit. So just after the day of Pentecost, there's a prayer meeting. Um, Peter and John have just been at the temple gate and they've told the man to walk in the name of Jesus and then they get arrested and told to be quiet. But they don't, they're not going to be quiet, are they? Because they go back and tell all the other disciples who say, let's have a prayer meeting and ask for more boldness so that you can carry on speaking. And this is what happened at the prayer meeting, Acts 4. Now, Lord, they say, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. 
Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled. Do you see that? Not just the day of Pentecost. They were all filled again with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. There it is. And you get this again and again and again through the book of Acts. They are filled again and again and again and again so that they can speak with boldness, confidence, power, joy. If you've got good news to share, you want to share it. So if you're a grandparent or a great-grandparent or a parent and you learn of the birth of a child and you've been given permission to share that news, you're not going to keep it to yourself. You want to tell the world, don't you? You want to pass on the message. It's not like somebody uh, sort of tells you, oh, it's your solemn duty to pass on this news of a baby. You know, I know it's, a, it, I'm sorry, it's a, I know it's a burden on you to have to make some calls. You know, it might cost you a, on your phone bill. I'm sorry about that, but would you mind passing on the news of the, the impending birth of this child? And you, oh no, for goodness sake. <laughs> going to cost me time effort money on the phone no you don't you go of course hallelujah and that's what the holy spirit wants to do through the through filling us it's not a burden and a chore to us to pass on good news is it it's a joy we have good news to share don't we and the holy spirit wants it to be good news for us so that we can share it joyfully with others just kind of makes logical sense when you think about it. Uh, secondly, why does Peter quote Joel's prophecy? 400 years before the birth of Christ, Joel prophesied this. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out on my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Now, prophesy is a rare word in the Bible. Different to, slightly different to prophecy. We'll get to that in a moment. To prophesy is inspired speech. We'll see that this begins way back in the book of Numbers with Moses. Um, I did a dissertation on this, uh, an essay on this, and got a really good mark. So I'm, on, I'm feeling I'm on confident ground here. Thank you. <laughs> I know, I know. I must boast only in Christ and him crucified. Thank you, George. Bless you for your word of correction and admonishment. Thank you. <laughs> to prophesy means spirit-empowered speech in the book of Acts. So it could be inspired preaching. Peter preached an inspired sermon. No pressure, 3,000 people came to faith. No pressure. It could be tongues is inspired speech. In fact, that's the, that's the explanation that Peter gives. They're not drunk. To prophesy means to speak in tongues. To prophesy also means to dream dreams and have visions from God. Right? To prophesy means to give prophecy 
We'll come to that in a moment. So there are a number of different spirit-inspired communications that derive from prophesy, okay? I'll cover those in a moment. Are you, are you okay with this if we go into this a bit? Because it's a bit technical, but it's worth the effort, I promise. So first of all, the different languages that the uh, disciples were speaking in, these were foreign languages that were recognized by the foreigners, all the different nationalities that were in Jerusalem at the time. These were actually languages, foreign languages, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. So it was tongues, but it was what they call xenolalia, tongues of different languages known languages which could be understood by the people there with different uh, languages there are glossalia which is heavenly tongues langu languages that no one's learned that need an interpretation we had a glossalia this morning right as far as i'm aware that wasn't a xenolalia tongue because no one said oh that's my dialect of urdu I will interpret that for you. No one did. So I'm assuming, because we had an interpretation, that that was a heavenly glossalia language, heavenly tongue, right? But sometimes there are tongues that are spoken through the power and inspiration of the Holy Spirit that are foreign languages. The Holy Spirit can do that because it's for mission. You may have been in a meeting where that's happened. And that's what Luke is talking about here. He's talking about foreign languages so that the people looking on at the 120 could understand them praising God in their own tongues. They recognize their languages being spoken through the power of the Holy Spirit. But in the book of Acts, um, prophesy can mean dreams, visions, prophetic words too. The first example of this we find back in the book of Numbers, in Numbers chapter 11. Come with me on this, please. Moses was told by God to gather 70 elders of the people of Israel to help him burden, bear the burden of judging disputes between people. This is what we hear recorded in Numbers 11. The Lord said to Moses, bring me 70 of Israel's elders who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of meeting that they may stand there with you I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the spirits on you and put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. In other words, Moses was given the power of wisdom through the spirit to judge between cases among the, amongst the Israelites. And the Lord would take some of the spirit on Moses and put it on the other elders because he was dealing with hundreds of thousands of people on his own. That's not a good leadership model, is it? So he was told, delegate the work, but, you, but these elders will need the spirit to help them uh, minister to the people. And this is what happened in verse 25. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took some of the power of the spirit that was, that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. They spoke in an inspired way that only the Holy Spirit could have enabled them to speak. And they helped Moses with judging disputes between the people. And Moses longed for the day when all people could prophesy. Look at this. 
I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Wow. The first person in the Bible to long for prophecy was Moses. And we see this coming hundreds of years later again with the prophet Joel, who, who prophesies, there is a day coming, Moses, he might have said, when this is going to be fulfilled. So let's see how Joel's prophecy about dreams and vision and prophecy is fulfilled through the book of Acts. I'm going to go through these really quick. The book of Acts shows us how Joel's prophecy was fulfilled in, in preaching, prophetic words, tongues, dreams, visions. For example, in Acts chapter 10, Peter is praying on a rooftop and he's given a vision of a large sheet which contained all kinds of four-footed animals that the Jews saw as unclean for eating. A voice in his vision said to him, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. In other words, God was saying through Peter, a new day has come. The dietary laws have been superseded. There are no unclean foods anymore in the last days as far as God is concerned. The prophet Agabus in Acts chapter 11, 20, verse 28, prophesied, predicted that a severe famine would spread over the entire Roman world to warn God's people to prepare for future event of famine. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, a prophecy was given while the church in Antioch was worshipping that Barnabas should be set apart with Paul, Saul, as missionaries. In other words, a prophetic word gave guidance and direction to who to set apart for mission and as missionaries. In Acts chapter 16, verses 9 and 10, Paul is given a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come on over to Macedonia and help us. In other words, God gave a prophetic vision to Paul saying, this is where you need to go next. I could give hundreds of examples of dreams, visions, prophecy in the book of Acts. We haven't got time. But you understand, you seeing the book of Acts shows how this prophecy of Joel is fulfilled. When we come to church, we are in the last days. We should expect dreams, visions, prophecy, inspired speech. Because we're in the last days. That's kind of exciting, isn't it? I want some of that, do you? I want to be in the presence of God who's alive and working through prophecy, through visions, tongues, dreams. God wants to speak to us, primarily through his word, through preaching, but also through spiritual gifts. So how does this work? Well, you've seen it working this morning already. We just have to be open and faith-filled for this. We have to ask the Spirit to come. At the beginning of a service, it's always a good thing to say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come and fill this place. We are open to all that you want to do here this morning. That's a great way to start a service. Because we're saying, look, Lord, it's all about you. We want your presence. We need to encounter your Spirit. We're excited to be here. We want to be changed. We want your spiritual gifts to operate so that we will be different. We want to know you're alive. So this morning, someone gave uh, a tongue, 
a, a, a glossalia, a spirit-inspired tongue. And there was an interpretation which was exhorting, encouraging us to be open to being filled with the Holy Spirit. It was exhorting the Spirit to work on our hearts, to soften us and make us open to more of the Spirit, wasn't it? That was God's word to us as a church. God wants to speak to us. He wants to challenge us. He wants to encourage us. He wants to strengthen us. He wants to build us up. He wants us to want more of him. And that's why he speaks in tongues and prophecy, dreams and visions. Um, last, at the last prayer meeting, someone shared a dream that God had given them, that this place was absolutely rammed full of people, including families and babies and children. And someone else said, oh, that was what the Lord gave to me as well. Do you not think the Lord might be trying to tell us something? Pray for this, because that's what God wants. Um, at our Monday prayer meeting last Monday, someone shared, and we'd had this picture before, but someone shared um, uh, a cork on a champagne bottle being released. And it was felt that this was a, uh, a picture of God wanting to release joy in people. And that just as the cork needs to open the bottle so that you can enjoy what's inside, some of us need to open ourselves up to the work of the Holy Spirit so that he can pour from us and touch the community. There's more joy that God wants to open up in us than some of us will have allowed, right? He wants to pop the cork. I love worship because you never quite know what's going to happen. And I love that. Isn't that fun? God shows up. I love all that. Um, if, we had, if we weren't so concerned about time in this country, it'd be more like, um, well, the church in Kenya, for example, um, you know, you don't know when the thing's going to start and you don't know when it's going to end, <laughs> quite honestly. Uh, but it's, it's exciting when God speaks, isn't it? More of it, Lord. Sometimes God brings a particular song to mind and someone shares it. That can be an example of prophecy because it can be an inspired song that's just right to sing at that moment, right? Sometimes, to be honest, at Soul Survivor, we, we have amazing grace once too often and you think, mm, not sure that's inspired. I think it's probably more like that person's got a good voice and likes to sing amazing grace. But when it happens from the inspiration and guidance of the Spirit, it's a wonderful thing. Because you think, ah, oh, yeah, that song, I feel that song. That was for me. It's for the church. Sometimes God brings a particular scripture to mind. And when you're in a prayer meeting and God says to someone, oh, I just feel I should share this. And they share it and someone goes, oh, thank you. That was exactly what I needed to know or to hear from the Lord. That's prophecy. When someone shares a dream or a picture and we sense God guiding us or leading us or strengthening us, that's prophecy. That's what it means to prophesy in the broadest sense, right? More of this stuff, yeah? It's exciting. 
singing in the spirit on a Sunday morning. We sometimes have times where we just, we just, Lord, bring a new song. Just, to, just allow our voices to rise up. Allow the Holy Spirit to sing through us. And sometimes it can be just beautiful harmonies, all sort of just resonating together. And it's a wonderful moment. I'm not a great singer, but I love to sing in the spirit, just to allow the Holy Spirit to, to kind of speak through me and to guide me and lead me as I'm singing. Anyway, I'm getting carried away. We've got to watch the time. So <laughs> spirit gifts of public tongues and private tongues. Let's get into this. So the, the gift of tongues on the day of Pentecost was a public tongue, right? Public tongue for the purpose of building, strengthening, guiding the church so that the people there listening could understand the people praising God in their own languages. It, was a, it had a mission purpose. It was so that the people listening could see that the Holy Spirit had come in power on all of the believers and they were in the last days. And it was a sign that the Holy Spirit was taking the gospel to every nation on earth, from Jerusalem to Samaria to the ends of the earth. That's why they were speaking in different languages. And then there's private tongues, um, tongues that we use for our own prayer times at home, which is another wonderful gift. Um, you can ask for both, by the way. Doesn't have to be all to the Lord and or. He, he's generous. <laughs> all right. Ask for public tongues. Ask for private tongues. But also ask for the gift of interpretation, because the gift of interpretation is incredibly important. There's no point having tongues in church if we all go, oh, don't know what that was about. You need an interpretation, don't we? Like we had this morning. So we can go, amen. But private tongues is a wonderful gift. I'd urge you to ask for this. You, not everyone speaks in tongues, right? We're not, we're not assemblies of God. We don't insist that everybody must speak in a, in a tongue as a sign of a second blessing of the Spirit. That's not what the Bible teaches. Paul says, does everyone speak in tongues? No. Read it in 1 Corinthians. But you can ask, and I would encourage you, it is a wonderful gift. When the words run out, it is a wonderful gift to pray in tongues. When you... When you're praying for healing for someone or praying for someone and you don't have the words, the Holy Spirit can pray through you through the gift of tongues. When you're struggling at home with grief or you're, you're, just, uh, you're in spiritual warfare and you don't know what to pray, to pray in tongues is a wonderful gift. Ask, ask, ask. Spiritual gift of prophecy. So to prophesy in Acts 2 is a general term for all kinds of spirit-inspired communication, inspired preaching, dreams, visions, tongues, songs, scriptures, revelation. Paul says that every time the church meets in Corinth, this can happen. I love this. What then, should we put it up, Quentin? There we go. What then should we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together, each of you has a hymn, or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Woohoo! Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. That's the church I want to be in. Yeah. Whoa! You don't know what's going to happen. 
the Holy Spirit can speak through any of us if we're open. The Holy Spirit can bring a scripture to mind that you can share that's right for the rest of the church. The Holy Spirit can bring a picture to mind that's right for you to share. The Holy Spirit can bring a prophetic word to you. The Holy Spirit can bring you a dream or a vision that he wants you to share for the strengthening of the church. Do you see that? It's for the good of the church. I think a lot of the debate around, well, are these gifts for today or not, is a misunderstanding of what Paul was teaching. Paul says that the church may be built up. It's not to divide the church. We have to be careful how we handle these gifts, but they're for the building up of the church. So we have to get over ourselves. But there's also a more specialized spiritual gift of prophecy that Paul refers to. God can speak or prophesy through any believer, but there are those who have a gift of prophecy, right? 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love, 1 Corinthians 13, and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Most of us ignore that, right? Skip over it. We don't ask. We don't eagerly desire prophecy. We just go, oh, not. It's here in the word. Do we eagerly desire prophecy? Because this is the reason we should desire prophecy. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouragement, and comfort. Wow. When you share a dream, a picture, a vision, a song, you are building up and strengthening God's people. Do you realize that? Wow. Prayer meetings get much more exciting when people start moving in these gifts. Because you get pictures, you get visions, you get dreams, you get scriptures being shared, you get people singing spontaneously, you get people speaking in tongues and an interpretation. That's the kind of prayer meeting I want to be in. Some of you don't look sure. <laughs> Some of you are going, huh? So, prophecy, as we've seen, can be predictive. It can warn the church about future events. Get ready for this. Prophecy can identify people who are called to serve in specific ways, right? Set apart for me Saul and Barnabas. Prophecy can call people to repent of specific sins. In the middle of a, a sermon, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, uh, he stopped preaching and he, he pointed at the, he, I wouldn't do this today, by the way. I wouldn't have the courage. But this was Victorian England, by the way. He pointed to a guy in the congregation. This is Spurgeon. And he said, you're a shoemaker and you have stolen people's money because you've overcharged them. Stand up and repent. And the guy stood up in the middle of the service and he repented of his sins publicly. Now, there are more subtle ways of doing it. <laughs> Probably Spurgeon in Victorian England wasn't the most subtle. Um, so I wouldn't recommend it. But, you know, we, we, can, we can do that more subtly, can't we? But prophecy can call people to repentance. And some prof prophecies are really tough because we might be having to say to somebody, you need to stop doing that. The Lord tells you no more. 
Prophecy can guide or direct the church in its mission, saying God can say to us through prophecy or dreams, visions, I want you to go in this direction. I want you to focus in on this specific thing. We desperately, desperately need the gift of prophecy in the church, don't we? More and more today. We live in strange days, turbulent days, days of uncertainty, insecurity. Now more than ever, we need to hear the voice of God. Lord, what is the way that you would have us go through prophecy? So I'm asking you to ask for the gift of prophecy, please. But I'm asking all of us to be willing to be filled with the spirit to give us joy so that the good news of Jesus is good news that we want to share and not a burden for us, as if good news should ever be a burden. That the Holy Spirit would give us confidence, wisdom and boldness to be witnesses of Jesus, because that's what he'll do for you if you ask him. If you're fearful, reticent, slow in coming forward about talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit wants to give you confidence. If you ask, he will do it for you. If you want to receive the gift of tongues, public or private or both, if you want to receive the gift of prophecy, I would say to you, you need to ask. And the Lord is generous and he loves to answer our prayers, especially when we pray the prayers that he wants us to pray. Eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you this morning and saying, will you eagerly desire the gift of prophecy? Will you desire and ask for the gift of tongues or other gifts? Can I encourage you, if that's you, if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, calling you to go deeper, to desire more, to eagerly desire more of spiritual gifts, can I ask you to stay in here at the end of the service and, and prayer team will come and pray with you to receive spiritual gifts. If there's no one left in here today, I'll be really disappointed. <laughs> I'm not looking for 3,000 people being baptized, but I would hope, I would hope that there would be some who would desire prophecy, tongues, and spiritual gifts. Because that's a sign that we love the Lord, and we want more of him, and we want to build up and strengthen his church, isn't it? So I'd ask the prayer team to remain behind and to come alongside those who were desiring gifts this morning. But can we all stand in the presence of God? We're in the presence of uh, the Lord this morning. Let's stand, let's show him awe and respect and wonder in his presence. We have a holy God who longs to do in us more than we can all ask or imagine. And if you're wanting to be open to receive more of the power of the Spirit this morning for, to give you joy and confidence and boldness in witness, uh, could I ask you, you don't have to do this, but it helps me just to symbolize it, just to put your hands out uh, with an open receiving posture where you're saying, I come with empty hands, Lord, and I'm asking you to fill these hands, this life, this person with more of your power, more of your joy because I want to be a, a spirit-filled, joyful, bold witness for Jesus more than I am at the moment. So if, that's, if, you, if you're wanting more power for witness, would you just put your hands out openly and just ask the Lord?
So Holy Spirit, we're just asking right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would pour out more joy in us, more confidence, more love, more compassion for those who do not know you, for the lost in our community and family. Lord, give us a heart for the lost. Give us a joy, Lord, that we wouldn't hold back from sharing this good news. Holy Spirit, come and fill us afresh today with the power, the boldness, the confidence that the disciples had in the book of Acts. Lord, we want to minister in the way that they ministered. We want to see people healed, set free. We want to be those who operate in spiritual gifts. So come, Holy Spirit, fill us anew. Fill us anew. Come. Just spend a moment waiting on God in the quiet, in the silence. Pray to him, ask him to fill you afresh. Maybe the Lord has given you a, a picture or a prophetic word this morning. I'd like to give you opportunity now to share it. I'm going to remain at the front here. If it's a, yeah, just if you could run it past me because that we're, we're called to weigh and test these things. So I'm just going to give you an opportunity to come to the front and uh, just share with me briefly what that revelation is, that picture or that prophecy. And uh, just like us to share in that for the building up and strengthening encouragement of the church. So just come forward and just. Um, I just felt to share um, in the passage of scriptures, Mark 12, verse 41. And it's about the widow who gives the two pennies and said, um, and it's Jesus. And he, he sat down near the offering box, watching all the people dropping their coins. Many of the rich would put in very large sums, but, dis, but a dispute, but a destitute widow walked up and dropped in two small copper coins worth, le, worth less than a penny. Jesus called his disciples and gathered them round and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given a large offering more than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave God all that she had to live on, which was everything she had. And I just felt that the Lord was saying that to us, even in, in worship, that he wants us to give everything that we have. And that doesn't necessarily look like a certain way. It doesn't necessarily look like flags. It could just be moving your tiny pinky. If that's all that you have, God wants it. And he just wants us to give all that we have. And it doesn't have to look a way. It doesn't have to sound a certain way. Amen. But that's all that he needs from us. Thank you. Bless yeah. you. That's great. I sense there's uh, one or two more. Absolutely. You know, in the time of need. Yeah. 
Yeah, thank you. Brilliant. Joy of the Lord is your strength. Yeah, brilliant. Anyone else? Anyone else? We have an amazing God, don't we? He loves to speak. He loves to build up and strengthen and guide the church. He's already done that today already, but uh, just want to give opportunity all to rush away from his presence. Well, we're going to sing uh, a hymn, which is a real prayer to send the fire on us. So let's, um, let's do that widow's offering thing and bring everything that we have to make this a prayer that we would be set on fire. Um, William Booth really, really meant this, and uh, we can mean it too. So let's, uh, let's sing, O God of burning, cleansing fire, flame even. And it's a prayer, but it's quite a fast prayer. <laughs> so if yeah. you've got a tambourine to hand, if oh, you've yeah, got yeah. hands to clap, if you've got feet to dance to praise our Heavenly Father, then I suggest you do it. Let's go for it. Are we ready, church? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Thank you, Jesus. Um, now may the grace of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you all and remain upon you always. Amen. Um, please do stay and get, get some prayer. Um, please